This is Channel Attitude. Your voice, your right, your freedom. This is Vince Russo's The Brand. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to the show on this Wednesday morning, September 20th. I am Vince Russo. This is Don and Juan. And today we are going to continue our very, very special interview with the great Sin Bodhi bro as he gives us insights into working alongside a very, very, very young Wyndham Rotunda, uh, Bray Wyatt, um, over at the training facility. Sin, how are you doing this morning? I'm good. How are you, my friend? I got to ask you a question, Sin. You told me me this morning you were feeding your chickens, and I know you live in Vegas. I live I live uh, about an hour outside of Vegas. Now, I did live in Vegas, but my wife and I and my, my kid and our critters, we moved um, uh, about an hour out of Vegas, just about 20 minutes out of Death Valley. So how do the chickens survive in that weather, man? Uh, well, when it's hot out, we, uh, my wife spoils them with all these, like, swamp coolers and all that stuff. And they've got all these little chicken swimming pools and all this. But it's like it's – like, uh, club med for chickens or whatever and and the goat we got goat ch- chickens goats um uh, i got a tortoise that's about the size of a freaking lawnmower oh he, my uh, he's, God. he's got a he's got a whole little cabana in the backyard it's like a little tortoise house it's, it's that big tortoise house it's ridiculous and uh in, in, inside we've got dogs and cats and then i've got um still some of the snakes that uh that jake jake roberts would use sometimes so you know in, in one room we've got we've got 10 foot pythons and another outside we've got giant ass tortoises that you could literally put a saddle on right around if you wanted to. Wow. That is uh, that is unbelievable, bro. It sounds yeah. like uh sounds like you got one nice, warm, cuddly little family over there, man. It's definitely Sin Bodhi's funny farm. No doubt. Yes. yes. I right, Sin, listen, man, let's, let's pick up where we left off last week because I know now, you know, you know, there are some, uh, some details um, you want to get into, like literally concerning, you know, Sister Abigail. So where we left off last week with uh, Bray, you know, Wyndham Rotunda was, you know, working with him, uh, you know, as he was breaking into the business, starting to pick your brain a little bit, mm-hmm. uh, you, you kind of throw in some ideas by his his way. Let, let Let's just pick it up with how, uh, you know, the relationship progressed from there. Sure. Yeah. Uh, you know, got along great, funny, charming dude, always, always jolly, like always smiling that he would ask questions. And I think very much it reminded me that, you know, years before me just bugging the hell out of Jake Roberts, asking him questions. And, and he was always very accepting about it. Always very patient about it. You know, like, uh, you know, at times it was very much like, Hey George, Hey George, what about this George? You know, like it was uh whole, and he's like, ah, you know, it was, he was never, he was never dismissive or ah, shut up, you know? Um, and, uh, Jake told me very early on in one of our earliest conversations, he said, look, 
I know my brain. I know I'm the, you know, whatever the master of psychology, all this, all this stuff. Um, he goes, I know what I know. I don't ever not want to know what you're thinking. I don't ever want you to be shy of exchanging ideas with me. And I'll tell you, you know, why they're good, bad, or otherwise. And we'll figure out how to get mileage out of those ideas and then how to cultivate and nurture those ideas. And so I, I was like that with everybody, you know, I still am, you know, that's, it's to be, to be a, a coach and, and answering questions and seeing those, seeing those light bulbs go off yeah. for, for guys and girls. It's just the coolest, you know, like Jake and I were joking about it the other day and he was teasing me like, like usual. And I said, like, for me, there's two different sort of, uh, rewards in wrestling you know when you're saddled up in spandex it's like watching an action movie there's explosions and it's cool and it's you know macho all that stuff and then but when you're coaching it's more like watching some romance movie or some some heartfelt like he's like you're watching bambi or i, I joked and said sleepless in seattle and he's like brother i never watched sleepless in seattle <laughs> you know but um uh, so it's, it's a it's a super duper like uh squishy cushy awesome heartfelt feeling to see when, when, you know, what are your kids, you know, whichever guys or girls just implement something. And, and I, and I think they're all, they're, everybody that I've ever crossed has always been great, you know, and whether I ever cross paths with them or not, I, I'm sure they, they would have been awesome with or without me. I think I just had the privilege and the pleasure of just maybe giving them a little idea here or there, making their journey just a little bit more, silly or beneficial or, or interesting or some, some sort. And, and so Bray would definitely fit that category. Wyndham. So I don't know. Like it's, it's even weird for me to just, I can't even decide if I want to kind of call him Bray or Wyndham. Like I, oh, I yeah, get that. That's that's I'm, I'm the same exact way, bro, because since he's no longer here, I want to pay the respects and let people know him by his real name. But sure. he just had you so believing that that character was alive and, and real, which is really, really amazing. Sure. And, and it, it's so weird because like, you know, these days more people than not refer to me as sin. Like if you walked into my wrestling gym in Vegas here, if you watched, walked into the future stars of wrestling and said, Hey, where's Nick? They'd be like, what the fuck are you talking about? You know? So yeah. I'm very much used to kind of carrying that persona around. It just, it's almost more like a, a handle or a nickname more than it is some character. Like, I laugh like I, me guys like me and I think like Gangrel and Boogeyman and stuff. We kind of giggle when we hear guys say, "I like your character." Maybe me and Gangrel a little bit more than Boogeyman. I just be like, well, "What character?" Just yeah. Well, whether I'm dolled up in the in the clown paint, whether I'm all spruced up for the prom or whatever, still me. You know, yeah. is, is is Batman uh, is the disguised Bruce Wayne or is the or is the disguised Batman? You know, is it the cowl or is it the tuxedo? You know. Yeah, yeah. So, and I think I think Wyndham is very much like that. You know. I think I think good artists really just do the deep dive in and just kind of as I, I just that silly cliche to live the the gimmick or whatever. But when you're when you're it's just you when you're just you with the volume crank, it's hard to like live the gimmick. Like again, I'm not some yeah. a hole who just went to the mall and got my face painted, and all of a sudden I, I'm a Martian or I'm a demon or I'm a whatever. Like I'm a legit circus strongman, circus sideshow freak, a legit wrestler, uh, bodyguard. I was a, a martial arts tournament fighter for years. So with all the circus stuff and various martial arts and pro wrestling, like I, I am legitimately what you would refer to as mixed martial arts. Like that is me, whether I'm dolled up in clown paint or not, it's just, it's yeah. just my damn. 
And uh, so Wyndham, I, I think, is very much like that. Like Wyndham was always smiling, but also brooding, like always curious and asking questions and 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 so forth. And, and uh, I was always happy to answer. Bro, was, then, like, he, was he one of those, Ben? I, I got to tell you, man, I'm watching um, – you know, I'm watching Al, uh, you know, Snows. I'm watching that Wrestlers on Netflix now. And, sure. bro, I, I don't know, like, what it is. I don't know what it is about wrestling, bro. I don't know if it's kind of, and to me, this is the biggest insult in the business. I don't know if it's kind of, we've opened the door and anybody can be a professional wrestler now that's not the way it used to be bro but now anybody can become a professional wrestler and i think he i think here's what's come out of that you know bro when we're kids growing up i i know i know for me and you're playing sports and you love sports Bro, of course, growing up, my dream is, oh, I'm going to play for the San Francisco Giants. But, bro, the reality is when 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 you reach 16, 17 years old in high school and you start going up that ladder, bro, you're seeing you're seeing kids and around you that are freaking phenomenal. And and you you come to a conclusion early on, bro, that. You know what, man? I just don't have the tools to do this. You you just come to the reality that, bro, I'm just I'm I'm not there. I'm I'm not of the elite. And you know, you you accept it and you move on. But with wrestling, bro, it's like all I ever hear is I had a dream. I had a dream. I had a dream. And I sit here and I say, yeah, bro, it was a dream. Because the likelihood of you becoming a professional wrestler should have been a million to one. It, 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 it was a dream. And you know that. Subconsciously, you know there is no way on earth I should be on freaking Monday Night Raw right now working for the biggest wrestling company in the world. Subconsciously, you know that. Bro, you never heard Kurt Henning and Warrior and Savage and Jake, oh, I had a dream, I had a dream. I had a dream. And, bro, with, with that dream comes this obsession. They become obsessed. Like, if they don't make it as a professional wrestler, bro, then, like, you, you, you might as well kill me. You might, there, there's nothing else in life if I don't become a professional wrestler because this is my dream. What was it? Was he that type of guy, bro? Was was there really an obsession for him to make it in the business? Or if he didn't make it in the business, he knew he could have went on to something else, no problem. So I think uh, him and I are, are very similar in that way, where we, we fit that bill for sure. Um, but he's a big dude, you know. I, he's a bigger dude than I am. Like I'm, I'm about six one, two hundred forty pounds. So I'm a big enough dude. And when I wanted to be a wrestler, I was met with, oh, aren't you too small? Aren't you this? Aren't you that? You know, and it just was fuel for me to kind of say, fuck you. I'm following my dreams. But also my dog wants to my dog wants to kill somebody. I think, uh, I think maybe the mailman is out there a little early or something. And uh, so talking with with jake and and this was something i kind of had a handle on earlier but jake really cultivated it and i wanted to do that for Wyndham and anybody that 
needed it. I never walked around the locker room telling guys, hey, you know what you should do? I, I was never that. I was always quiet, polite. But if somebody came up and said, hey, what do you think about this? Then I would tell them something honest. I wouldn't just go, oh, yeah, it was great. I would tell them, well, maybe a little more of this, a little less of this. Or, and, and what Jake kind of helped me sort of see the force of the trees on early was he's like, brother, you're not six foot five. You're not this. You're not that. So, you know, push forward your strengths and hide your weaknesses. Don't do something that you're not like. I can take those high backdrops and clotheslines over the top rope but I can't even spell a moonsault, you know? So stay away from the stuff that I'm no good at. I'm good at close up and personal. Like I'm good at getting my hands on you and making it look really mean. But at the same time, I know how to take care of my dance partner. So Wyndham was very much like that. Like Wyndham was saddled with so many strengths, but at the same time, you know, like he was worried a little bit about his physique and stuff like that. But I mean, the guy was pushing 300 pounds. Like when I'm, when I knew him, you know, when I met him, I want to say he was, at least 260, at least maybe more, you know, uh, he had worked on his physique over the years and stuff like in, in this last couple of years. I mean, look at him. He was just, he was huge. You know, he looked great. You know, he was burly, but I, I don't think wrestlers need to look like Ken dolls or supermodels. I think they need to look like they could pull your face off, you know, and he looked like that. he looked the part. And so, we, you know, we would field kind of the same things that Jake would field with me. Like, well, you know, um, my, my dogs are looking out the window, just ready to ready, to, ready to attack, man, ready, ready to get ready to, to do in the mailman or whoever else decides to, you know, come across this, this back 40. But, um, yeah. So like, so for, for me, for instance, um, and this was something I, and something Ray did as well. Exactly. Um, he goes, why do you wear the butcher's apron? And I said, well, um, whether I eat steamed broccoli and, 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 and chicken breast or whether I, swan dive into pizza every day i'm i'm never going to look like rick rude and i'm never going to look like king kong bundy my body was just so stubborn either way but i have this 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 finely aged uh you know at the time you know what a 30 30 year old vintage uh baby baby fat on my tummy like i you never really noticed but standing next to you know guys like seamus and drew mcintyre and yeah it's Dolph Ziggler and, and all these guys in the locker room, then you, you felt like a skinny fat fuck really, really quick, you know? So yeah. that butcher's apron was kind of a tummy K favor. It was all it was. So it looked cool. It looked like I was wearing it on purpose, but it was really just to hide a tiny little bit of, you know, baby chub, yeah. you know? So, so that's where I was like, you know, he wanted to wear a singlet because they wanted him to wear a trunks when he was a, as going to be Husky Harris. And I was just like, well, singlet's not going to fool anybody, you know, so maybe the, maybe something baggier, like a Hawaiian shirt, like Cape Fear. And, and again, Cape Fear is like Charlie Manson and Charlie Manson has a family. And when I would do the circus stuff, uh, you know, the animal masks and all that stuff was super creepy. And he was just like, holy shit. And he's just writing all this down and just, and he would ask more questions and, and stuff. And he, he was always very curious about the promos and he's like, how do you just speak? Like sometimes like a dusty would do the promo class. Yeah. Dusty Rose, Dusty Rose didn't want to get in the ring with you. Dusty Rose wanted to get you on the microphone. And so we would all kind of look around and see, you know, these guys memorizing these would be plug and play scripts or whatever like that they, 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 they wrote, you know, like, yeah. all right, baby, tomorrow, tomorrow with the promo class, then, uh, uh, you know, so and so, you're going to be talking about uh, you're going up against Kane and Unforgiven for the IC title, and he would give you these little bullet points, and then you'd go out and you just spit out whatever. 
And I never did that. I just, I would just sit right in front where Dusty could see me the whole time. And then whoever went up before me, I would just riff on that person. So Dusty always knew it was off the fly. So I would have guys coming over. I won't embarrass anybody by saying who, but like guys would be like, how do you just talk? I'm like, I'm letting my brain be the fastest moving muscle on my body. Yeah. Like yeah. If, you're, if your lips are running faster than your brain or just like in the ring, if your body is moving faster than your brain, you're going to screw up and do whatever. But if you work off the fly, whether it's on the mic or in the ring, if, if this is the, the fastest moving muscle, you should be okay. Like I'll tell guys, I'm not rain man. I'm not some wrestling genius. I'm just, again, thanks to Jake, the snake, thanks to Al snow. Thanks to Rip Rogers, and Ron Hutchinson and dusty Rhodes. I just was really honed to just let this lead the ride. God forbid. Yeah. And, and again, I would ask like Wyndham would ask me the questions that I would ask Jake. Like I had so many people when they knew I was going to ride with Jake and whatever, like, Oh yeah, we love his promos. Yeah. We love his promos. Yeah. We love his promos. And I never asked him like, I never just said, Hey, I like your promo. Like, of course I, I liked his promos, of course, but I was always wondering who did you watch? Like everybody's like, I watched Jake the snake for his promos. So I asked Jake at the source, who did you watch? And again, his first answer was Charlie Manson. And I said, well, how so? Like, I don't hear Charlie in any of your promos. He's like, that's the point, brother. What Charlie would do is he would sing song and string these, these things together, these ideas that said everything and said nothing all at the same time. Like he would just pick something like looking at my computer screen. I see these little doves flying across my screensaver. So he would say, you know, birds, man, birds are flying in the sky. Look at the clouds spinning around. Look at the blue shining through and the birds penetrating the clouds. The birds are penetrating the sky. You know, he would just start, what does that mean? I don't know what the fuck it means. It just sounds like some cool evil shit to say. Yeah. Calm before the, the storm, you know? And so Wyndham would say, you know, how did you just come up with this or that or whatever? And I said, I just would look and see what was in front of me and just kind of riff accordingly. And, you know, I've read a book or two in my time. I'm not just some caveman thought out of ice or whatever, you know? So I got literary quotes or just, you know, I would hear a line in a movie that I really liked or something and, and I would never pilfer it. I would just talk about stuff like that, that, that sort of, if something struck a chord in me, then I would keep it in my back pocket as almost a verbal spot, just like in the ring. You, I like to work off the fly, but I've got a shit ton of back pocket spots that I can pull up if I need to, if I'm brain farting or if I just need something on the occasion, Hey, I got to do something to this guy's arm. Well, I've got a thousand spots for that. Oh, I'm yeah. going to work this guy's neck. I got a thousand spots for that. So again, I'm, I'm not rain man. I'm just prepared, but also comfortable with getting uncomfortable, comfortable of having to think on my, on my toes, whether I'm holding a mic or whether I'm surrounded by ropes and turnbuckles. So I think he found that very fascinating and he would see guys kind of putting all these spots together and I'd never seen me doing that. You know, I, I would, I would just talk to my opponent as much as they needed to talk to me. And otherwise I'd just see him out there. Yeah. And, um, and so I think he was, he was fascinated by that. And I think also to probably combo plattered with, you know, he was a third generation guy. So he came up around, you know, his dad and, and his, his uncle, you know, you know, Mike Rotundo, Barry Windham, Blackjack Mulligan is his grandpa and stuff. So I'm sure they never sat around the table just talking spots. Yeah. I'm sure they talked psychology and, 
and, and so forth. And, and he would always, he would always say that, that his family was interested in the emotion of it. Never, yeah. you know, the, the paint by numbers aspect of it. Like yeah. if you want to talk about a, and I would tell him this and I would tell a lot of guys and girls this, like, if you want to talk to me about a produced moment where there's got to be some kind of domino effect where everybody, especially if there's more than two, two guys or two girls NRF, like say there's three guys, say there's five guys, say there's a, a tag team, say there's whatever. And this guy's got to be on his knee over in this corner of the ring, looking left. And this guy's got to be climbing up to the top rope and this guy and this guy, and everybody's got to, you know, find this moment that it's all going to kind of spill out. We could talk about that, like an action sequence in a movie, like an old school high spot, like a high point of a match. Yeah. It's me. Like I'm very much in that old school mindset of I, I'm old school and a new school, but I'm very much in the mind, mindset of, well, when you're just running spots, that's essentially chain wrestling. Chaining is essentially stringing a series of moves together. What's now, the kids call spots. And back in the day, a spot was more of a high point, like a whole, like a, Oh my God, Luke just put a missile into the death star. Holy shit. Yeah. Or Luke is about to do the job from Darth Vader in that tunnel in that death star. And then Han and Chewie come flying in for the save, even though you thought they powdered with all the, the space money and all this kind of stuff. So, right. Whoa, Han and Chewie are back. Yeah. They just saved that little boy scout Luke. All right. Maybe now Luke can finally get the job done and blow up the death star. Now those are high points, high hence high spots. High yeah. spots in the match. And then just just like Al Snow, like you were referencing OBW, which I spent so much time there and was I learned there. I got hired out of there for WWE. And mo- most of the kids that I saw on that show are, are guys that were in my seminars and stuff. Like I've, I've taught at OBW and performed at OBW. And seeing all those kids on there, like the that little uh, Haley J girl on there, like I mean, she was just beginning with the last time I was you know, doing seminars there and, and seeing those different guys, seeing that, that big, uh, Shira, that big dude, um, you know, they were all just kind of just arriving and it just, just kind of, you know, crack, uh, I see the little beaks cracking out of their shells when, yeah, when I, when yeah. I was there, you know, yeah. now looking at them all, all, all growed, all growed up, yeah, you know, yeah. it's, it's, it's very, very cool. And, yeah. um, seeing that with Wyndham amongst many others is awesome. It just, uh, the Wyndham thing strikes hard because, you know, of the Abigail thing. We can we can certainly chat about that, but like, happy to help him. I'm, he owes me nothing. Nobody owes me get, a thing. Get, get into that, Sin. Get into the uh, the the uh, sister Abigail part, um, because okay. um, yeah, I I know um, you know, I know I know you have a lot to say on that, and I'm real real interested in hearing that. Sure, um, I will. I'll preface it with uh, a good buddy of mine, uh, Gangrel. He would always say, um, wrestling owes me nothing. I owe it everything. So I'll preface that with, with I'll preface this story with, with that. Um, Wyndham or, or anybody that asks me a question does not owe me a fucking thing. And if I could, you know, if I could magically give Wyndham an answer on how to still be here, I'd, I'd be happy to give that. I just, I don't have access to that, that knowledge or that technology or I would. Um, but so in all of his question asking and us kind of talking about, well, why do, why do you think guys do this? Or why do you do this? Or why does this happen when this happens? You know, asking all the stuff that a wrestler should ask. And a lot of them don't ask. They just think, Hey, if I can do a dive or if I can do a package pile driver, if I can do a whatever, then I'm, I'm a wrestler. I don't think so. Like you said earlier, like anybody can get in. I, I, heard Jake and Al and other guys say some people are just, you know, if they love the business, they're, they're best serving it by buying a ticket. 
yeah. you know, yeah. so, but at the same time, if, if you're crazy enough to, to learn, yeah, I was crazy to get in the ring. I think any wrestlers probably got a screw or two loose for wanting to jump around and play fight in spandex for a living. And yeah, you know, those bumps aren't fake. Like you're not, it's, you know, when we do the old, uh, the, 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 the slap noises and all that it makes me laugh, but it's like, it's not computer CGI. I mean, we're tearing into each other and we're, we're clobbering each other. Yeah. Um, so anyway, so to talk about Abigail, um, my finishing move was and is Tallulah Bell. So it, it, it was a, it's a double butterfly underhook, very much like the Future Shock. They kind of, I think they kind of gave that to, to Drew when I got canned, I think. And um, they sort of sometimes, I do a different, it's totally a different thing, just something similar. I think he, he kind of arrived at that soon after. Nothing to do with me, just more serendipitous than anything. But I wanted to have some kind of a, some kind of a DDT that wasn't quite a DDT, but something in that just to sort of respect, you know, my mentor, Jake, the snake, but still something that was original. So I wanted to give it a cool name. Like when I was a kid, I didn't give a fuck why you called it a pile driver or a body slam or a clothesline. It was self-explanatory. Like, okay. But I always wondered why the DDT, what does that mean? What does that stand for? Or why good night, Irene? Like did Adrian Adonis kill a hooker named Irene? Like well, right. who the fuck is Irene? Why do, why I got to know who Irene is? Like it was just such a cool backstory, like the mythos of the villain or the hero. And so I wanted to give it, I wanted to give that move, that double butterfly DDT, some kind of backstory. And, and again, Jake would always draw things from the torment of real life. You know, Jake's been through some gnarly stuff in his time. So I just, I dealt to the darkest parts of my life and, and in, in many different ways, but in this way, between me and my little brother, Steven, uh, my mother miscarried, who would have been my sister, Sarah. So I thought, as I think about who she would have been, could have been, and, and it, I don't think any of that stuff gets easier. You just get comfortable with holding pain. You know, you don't forget things, you know, like I remember to this day, every dog or cat, I, you know, that I don't have anymore. I remember every friend that I don't have anymore. I think about, I see ghosts constantly, especially when you're artsy fartsy, wacko like me, like your brain just doesn't ever shut off. And so I thought to call the move Sarah. Good night, sweet Sarah. That way I would, you know, I'm wrestling every week and I, I, I came up still, uh, you know, I wrestled a whole ton in, in the, the Bible Belt area and down south for guys like Burt Prentice and Jeff Jarrett. And I wrestled, you know, seven times a week, ten times a week. So I thought, man, I'm doing this every day. I'll remember my sister every day. Yeah. And so I just, I just didn't want to call it good night, sweet Sarah, because I didn't want my mom to get wind of it and get her upset, of course. Yeah. So I just sports entertainmented her name into Tallulah Bell, which is Bruce Willis's kid's name. I just thought it was silly. And I just, I'm like, okay, I'm a silly guy. That's a silly name. I'm going to take yeah. that. So when Wyndham saw me using that move, he goes, why do you call it Tallulah Bell? Like the, 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 the move is neat. Like it's whatever, but it's just, it's a move. You know, the move is a rib on me because the, the, whoever I'm DDTing, like I'm underneath them, like my legs wrap around their waist. Like I don't shoot my legs out like a like Foley or McIntyre or Moxley. Like I, I saddle my legs around their waist and then I with the inertia of it brings the guy flat down on top of me. So the rib is like I'm taking the move like I'm having some asshole squish me, you know. Right, right. And so but it looks neat and whatever, whatever. So I digress. But. So he goes, well, why do you, why did you name the move after your sister? And I said, well, when I hit you with that move, just like her, 
you're not getting up. And he was like, holy shit, that's so harsh, brother. Sinner, you're fucking nuts and all this kind of, all this shit. And he, but he giggled when he heard it, like, 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 like nervously, like, like he didn't want to giggle. He's like, oh, I'm not laughing. You know, you know, I'm like, I get it. That's the, the response. I, I need you to be uncomfortable with that move. I need you to feel that anger, like share, share that pain. And again, I reference so many things for wrestling, not just wrestling matches. Like I tell wrestling students, don't just watch wrestling to study being a wrestler, watch movies and TV shows, read novels and, uh, you know, all sorts of things like see, see what kind of characters speak to you. And, you know, you watch any given movie and you see this monster villain and you're like, holy shit, this guy, they're, they're daunting or some shitty shit heel villain, you know, like that's backpedaling and swarming is going to sell out the human race for a payday or whatever, you know, like there's a difference in villains from Thanos, you know, who's this monster villain versus like Gary Oldman in the fifth element, who's just this sniveling, douchey business guy or whatever. So I always want, I, you know, want to be able to feel the characters and you, you know, there's characters that you watch and you're like, yeah, I can get behind this guy or I don't like this guy or, or that villain wasn't so great or yeah, this villain's brutal or this motherfucker, you know? So I always want to generate emotions. Again, going back to Jake, the snake, he would always say working a wrestling match is like masturbating the human emotion, like get everybody to the peak. Yeah, and then when the time is right, pop them. Yeah, and, uh, and Al Snow explains that in in the the, the Netflix yes. show. He goes yeah. into all that stuff, and I've, I've said that a thousand times in seminars. I've had so many people go, "Oh, that's where you got there." I'm like, "Yeah, Al Snow is the coach of coaches. He's yeah. he's the fucking man," you know. Yeah. yeah, and and so so Wyndham would just kind of nervously, like playfully, giggle about all these like, "Holy shit!" He goes, "You're fucking nuts," and all this stuff, and he just was just really amused and and he got comfortable with getting uncomfortable very quickly which made us sort of two peas in a pod and um so here's here's where it becomes a little bit dark in the sense that about the whole me and him and abigail and again i would trade all that in a heartbeat if he was just here you know farting on my cornflakes behind my back ribbing me and giggling i would i would i would take that in a heartbeat but so when i got released and not long after he debuted and he and then he brought out abigail which is his dead sister and i thought okay you know if i like i wasn't retired i was just i was canned so now i'm out in the wild west out on the indie scene and i'm wrestling wherever so trying to make my bread and butter you know with my creativity or whatever and then when you when you see anybody and Wyndham's not the only one to ever do it you know, you, you know, a lot of TV guys will go shopping on the indie scene for a move, for a thing, for a something. And once they put it on TV, they just kind of figure out oh, it's cool. It's I could take it, put it on TV. And But those said indie guys and girls out there, they're the ones trying to, you know, scrape that indie payday together to make the next town and to make the next payday and to live week to week and all that kind of stuff. And, and I've done OK for myself over the years. Like there's been ups and downs, but I'm doing all right. Um, so. If he had just simply just said, hey, would you mind if I did this or what do you think about me doing this? That would have been cool, you know, but him just doing something that had to do with my specific, my personal, you know, deceased sister, that just struck a chord. So we had kind of argued over over the years about it and, you know, you know, we'd make nice and then we'd argue, we'd make nice and then we'd argue and. And I think brothers argue, you know, like my legitimate blood brother, my little brother, you know, we are, 
I, if I had a nickel for every time we argue, you know, I'd have a fuck ton of nickels, you know, yeah, yeah. I'd have a backpack full of nickels. I'd have a fucking dump, dump truck full of nickels. So yeah. it was just, it was always kind of a sore spot. So when I saw it, I was always happy for his success, always happy that he was, he he's creative. He didn't just take everything from me. That's not what I'm saying. And for any fans, not fans, but we'll put fans over here. We'll table the fans for any fucking marks that are just looking to be dickheads to anybody. It's not like that. Bray pumped his own life into his own character and into Abigail and he made it awesome. And I'm super proud of him. And I'm super proud that I had a, just a tiny, tiny stake in, in helping him become the character that he was. And I got to ask you this question because I'm sure you have asked yourself this question a million times. The, the guy uh, you described to me, that seems to me out of character that he wouldn't come to you first. And, you know, it happens all the time. I mean, I know it was, uh, you know, I mean, uh, you know, Paige, you know, so many people have used, uh, you know, versions of the diamond cutter. And, I, and I'm always hearing the stories, you know, they, they would go to Paige, they would ask the permission. I mean, you hear that in wrestling all the time. It seemed to me from the person you're describing, the, the humble person, the quiet person, the the student, it just seems to me so out of character why he wouldn't have picked up a phone and called you. Did he ever did he ever explain to you why? Or do you have your own theory about that? Because like I said, man, this guy seems like a really good guy who does the right thing. I've been around the assholes in the business and he does not seem like one of them. Not not coming to you just seemed so out of character. It it almost sounds to me like, bro, knowing the WWF the way I do. I swear to God, I can almost see him going to, you know, a coach or a trainer there and saying, listen, man, I really want to do this. I had this conversation with Sin. He's gone now. What should I do? And anybody would say, bro, F Sin, F him. He's not here anymore. Do you think that's what happened, bro? Maybe, maybe, you know, that I mean, combo platter. Did, did you ever ask him in the conversations you had? You yes. Know, did, yeah. What what, yeah. what was his response to that? Oh, I just, I, I meant it, you know, he, he was very sweet about it. Like, he was very, like again, almost like a little kid. Like, I just loved it, this and that. You know, I tried to iggy this office and talk to the, the, the you know, it was, it was very like he was just trying to, you know, kind of make me happy. And he knew maybe he stepped in it and, and, you know, what am I going to do? Here I am floating around on the indie scene. He's on the biggest stage of the world. He can do what he wants, you know. Um, but he was like, oh, bro, it's not like that. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, you know. And, and and he is a great guy. And it is out of character. But, I mean, I'd like to think I'm a half-decent human, too. But I always say one of my little lines in life is, like, I'm not Mother Teresa. You know, like, we can all do something dirty, something. It's not like I don't, I don't think he ever set out to do anything dirty. I don't think anybody ever does. I think kind of once he realized that there was an overstep, that he was he was very apologetic, but it was already a thing. Like Abigail was already there. He was like, I'm sorry, but bro, but they like this and, they, and all this stuff. And, and it, again, it just it never it never came into the conversation where, like, I should have asked. It was just, I am sorry. Hey, man, yeah. you know. And again, he's a great guy, and I'm 
I'm not on here to say otherwise. You know, he's a good dude. We had a lot of laughs together. Um, but I mean, just, just scrolling through our texts or, or this or that or whatever, just like, you know, I would always kind of get in those like a better mood about it, a shittier mood about it or whatever. Or I'd send him like a video, you know, and, and, and say, what do you think of this? And it was something that I did, uh, you know, a promo for a, a show. And the next thing I'd, I'd see something so similar, like a couple of weeks later and I'd get mad and be like, dude, I was just showing that to you, to you, to pop you, not to, you know, give you something to go throw on TV and whatever, you know, and, Oh bro, it was just so cool. It was just this, I just, I loved it. And so I think it's just a guilty of just being an excitable little kid, you know, yeah, just, it seems like bro, from the way you describe it, it really seems like there is just a sense of like innocence and that and little so, boy and, and him, him seeing something you do and really pop, it popping him and him so excited that he wanted to do it that he never thought about the, the other I so. of it. I mean, that's exactly what it sounds like to me. I think so. I think so. I mean, I even remember just be, you know, being at FCW and I'd do something and, and Whitnam hadn't even had his first match yet. He was just kind of watching as sort of the, the new, you know, rookie or whatever. And he would always kind of to whoever, hey, hey, did you see what Sin did? That was all oh, that was so cool and this yeah. was neat. So yeah. it was just I think just, you know, an excitable, young, passionate guy. And, and 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 to your point, not to heal on WWE or anything, but uh, like I, I love WWE. You know, I grew up watching it as a kid. It's the only place I've ever wanted to to be. But I've had those conversations with producers. Like when I I remember talking to Johnny Ace and telling him that I wanted to, you know, kind of showcase that story of Tallulah Bell, and I want to explain to Tallulah Bell. He's like, "Okay, that's cool. All right, I like that. Okay." I'm like thinking I got to ask, you know, now that I'm up from FCW and you're on SmackDown and I'd like to have that as something to talk about. Cause I don't want to just be just a circus guy. Like, yeah, it's part of me, but I have some layers. I got some depth and on a, on a, an aesthetic note, a visual note, I had all these skulls on, on these new tights that I had. And Johnny said, well, Undertaker and, and uh, Stone Cold and Matt Hardy and all these guys got skulls. Can you think of something else? I go, sure, no problem. I just I got these real fancy, shiny, sparkly, skull weird looking kind of tights, and I I had the very Jack Sparrowy like the long blonde hair, and I had the 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 long foot long like braids and my beard and all that stuff. And so I remember seeing the the commercial for the Pirates of the Caribbean where he had the face paint with all the eyes. Yeah. And he would open up his eyes and like it was, it looked neat. So I, I remember again, to your point of like, Hey, did somebody in the office just kind of Iggy, this kid and, and saying it was okay. And I remember, so Johnny said, yeah, too many skulls. Everybody's got skulls and you should do something different. I go, okay. Uh, I go, what about, what if I put instead of skulls all up and down my pants? What if I put all these eyes up and down these pants? And he goes, Oh, I like that. Sounds really cool. I go, yeah, I go, but, I already kind of look Jack Sparrowish. Do you think it's going to be uh, too Jack Sparrowish? And he goes, "Does he fucking work here?" I go, "No." <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I'm like, "Okay, fuck you, Jack Sparrow. I guess I'm going to do this." So I'm sure you know Wyndham and a hundred other people have had those conversations with the office of, of some oh, degree. Fuck. 
Bro, listen, man, the, the wrestling business, bro, going back to freaking day one, and I say this all the time, bro, um, the wrestling business, bro, is all about me, myself, and I, because that's how it was set up when your independent contract is bro there are no friends there is no family-like environment it's every man for himself and everybody's stepping over everybody to get over that's the way it was set up bro and it still is that way to this day so bro i don't care whether you're bray wyatt the nicest guy in the world or, you know, just the most ruthless, the mindset is me first. And, bro, I got to tell you, Sin, and I think you would agree with that. As as much as that sucks, bro, because you always have to have eyes in the back of your head. You know how it is, bro. They, they bring you in and your friends and then boom, 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 boom. Sure. The, the, the reality of the situation is, Bro, if that is not your mindset, they're going to freaking eat you alive. I, sure. I mean, they are absolutely going to eat you alive. So it, it, it it's almost a thing in wrestling where it's like you've got to be selfish. You've got to think of yourself first, bro, because you're in an environment where no one else is going to think of you first but you. Sure. And I'm 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 sure he was really more of just an excitable yeah, kid, yeah. you know, um, but at the same time, you know, we learn how we learn and, and I didn't just come up with everything. I, you know, I'm, I'm not going to profess that at all. Like I took so much from Jake, but again, like how you said, uh, you know, don't guys ask. And I think you do sometimes, I think an old school term for it would be stealing at fair and square, yeah. like going up and asking the guy saying, Hey, do you mind if I do this? Like I know it, Chelsea Green had asked Christian Cage when he retired, hey, do you mind if I do the Unprettier? And he was like, sure, don't go ahead. You know, he, was, he wasn't wrestling at the time. And when he came back, he's still going to do that move when he feels like it. That's that. Uh, you know, or for me, like, of course, it was, it was Jake, 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 but I didn't want to be uh, just some bargain basement ripoff. Jake, just like, I don't, you're never going to look at Bray Wyatt and go, oh, that's a, uh, Kazarni repackaged where it's not at all. He is his own man. He has come right. up with so many great ideas, you know, some I might've helped with and, and that's awesome. I'll love to, to, to have that, you know, that I help somebody, but whether it's him or a Chris Bay or an Angelina love or a crazy Steve or a Karrion cross or Zoe Stark, oops, uh, solo Sokoa or uh, Garrett Bischoff, well, Wes Briscoe, or just just to know I've got my fingerprints on these guys is 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 the coolest reward for me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I, I think like another way to to again steal it fair and square is you kind of put over where you swiped it. Yeah. So like you'll hear it on commentary all the time. Oh, shades of uh, you know the Mountie, shades of uh, uh, Dynamite Kid, shades yeah. of whatever. Or oh, this was done by this. You know, Sin, I got to tell you some, bro. And this is this is this is human you know, instinct. And, and I'm going to tell you, bro, because again, like I'm, I'm like, I just recently went through this and I'm like, man, Vince is, is, is that real petty or is it really a matter of, of doing the right thing? Because basically, you know, 
sin at, at the end of the day. I am the kind of guy where, you know, give credit where credit is due. I, bro, the, the, the biggest misnomer of me, he, 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 the, you know, bro, the, you know, the, the Paul Bunyan and, and Babe the Blue Ox has been created about me where people put so much out there that is absolute bullshit. And one of the things they, they always put out there is, oh, Vince Russo takes all the credit for the, uh, attitude era, but he never takes any credit for bad ideas, this and that bullshit bro i love putting other people over and i make sure i say this was you know austin 316 i wish i could claim that sure. austin, austin before austin cut that promo he ran it by me and i was like holy shit steve right before he cut it on jake and I'm sure. like, holy shit, I wish I, I wish I could say, yeah, I, I came up with, do you smell what the rock is cooking? I'm the first one when it wasn't mine, like I make it clear sure. because I am all about, bro. First of all, I'm all I, I like putting people over and it's free and it doesn't cost me nothing. Sure. Second of all, bro, you, you got to give people their just due and you got to give credit because Ben, this, this just happened to me. Bro, the 1,000th anniversary of of uh, TNA, Impact Wrestling, wh- which is in New York, no less. Bro, I was with that company for 10 freaking years. So, sure. so when you're rolling out the beautiful people and, you know, everybody else to this anniversary show, and I'm like, bro, you're, you're in my backyard. I put 10 years into that business, and I did not get a call do a video, nothing. So I'm bro. Like I'm, I'm, I'm with you, man. I am a firm believer, man. And, and, and to me, sin, honestly, bro, here's what it comes down to do the right thing, sure. do the right thing. But man, it's like in, in, in wrestling, the right thing does not get done a lot. Right. Right. I remember, during my time at, at TNA, like I, I wasn't in that first year. I was like the second year I came along about 2003 and we did all that stuff with the new church. And to this day, I'm super cool with Jim Mitchell and Wolfie D and Shane Douglas and, and all these guys. And, and I learned so much and I've got friends to this day from that company. I learned and I learned and I, and I realized too, that didn't want to be a bargain basement, Jake or a bargain basement, Jim Mitchell or a bargain basement, anybody. But I certainly was going to dig little tiny chunks, little bits, and then I would twist and turn and morph it and then make it into what I am. Right. And again, those are little little bits of reference from wrestling and movies and TV shows and different things. You know, like from the Crow movie. I, it wasn't even the Crow that I took from. It was from some of the villains. There's a yeah. great line. Uh, the, one of the villains uses a line from my favorite book, Paradise Lost by John Milton. And it's abashed the devil stood and felt how awful goodness is. And I was just like, man, that's so powerful, you know? And yeah. or this, or I, I've taken stuff from such cheesy things that you would never, ever, like I call it awesome cheese. Like I like Young Guns 1 and Young Guns 2. The comeback in Young Guns 1, when Billy the Kid comes flying out of that building in that tickle trunk out of the second story and he comes up, pop, 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 pop. I'm like, and he's like, Whoa, you know, all that stuff. I'm like, fuck yeah. yeah. What an awesome, that's a, that's a Tito Santana comeback right there you know yeah, yeah. and or the, the i love the knife fight in in young guns too where christian slater and lou diamond phillips were rolling around in the in the mud and and then the the, the you know 
Christian Slater is. They're both baby faces, but Christian Slater is starting to lean heel, and then he goes for that knife. And then so Lou Diamond Phillips goes, oh, yeah, motherfucker, and he pulls out this bigger, you know, this yeah. big old, you know, warpath fucking knife. And they're du- duking him out, doing whatever, and he's got the dirt, throws the dirt in his eyes, and they're rolling around. It looks ugly. They're not just calling spots. They're, they're getting down and nitty-gritty. Yeah. And then when the would-be heel, Christian Slater, starts feeling like, oh, fuck, I got to I gotta cut him off. I got to go to the heat because I'm getting overwhelmed. And he pulls out the gun. And then all the buddies that are surrounded kind of, um, you know, let these two guys hash it out. As soon as they see uh, Christian Slater overstep, they all go, uh-uh, Dave. And they, where's, where's the screen? There's the screen. They go, uh-uh. And they all point their guns at their buddy going, that, that's not what this is. Yeah, and then yeah. quickly goes, yeah, fuck, you're right. Golly, you know, and all that stuff. So just there's such cool, great moments. But when you take little bits, you're never going to watch a Sin Bodhi match and go, Oh, that's a bit of Young Guns. Oh, that's a bit of Cowboy Bob. Oh, that's a bit of Tia Santana. Oh, that a bit. That's a bit of George Steele or Jake the Snake or whoever. Like, I remember having dinner with Raven a few years ago, and he was just like, eh, "You get really so good at, at taking all this Jake stuff that nobody see. Like I see it. He goes, but nobody else can see it because it's very clever how you did it. You know, I'm like, eh. And I'm like, well, thanks, Raven. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. And, and and but I remember uh, going back again, going back to TNA and, and being part of the church. Now what is it, ox? Who, who do you want to eat now? A dog is looking out the window like I'm gonna get somebody. Uh, so we did the the new church stuff, and 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 again years years later we we come back and we did uh like a one of those I don't know it was like a one night only or whatever the heck it was, and I remember Wolfie D, myself and Jim Mitchell we're just we're in Beach Shore like it was in Orlando I guess, and yeah must yeah must have been at the Orlando studio. We're walking around in like flip flops and beach shorts, and we weren't, weren't in our scary outfits or whatever. And we had a bunch of the dudes just look at us and kind of go, "Fuck!" Like even in, I remember uh, Crowbar and a couple other guys were kind of giggling, like, "Man, the church even looks scary in flip flops." Yeah, right, right. You right. know, yeah, yeah. And, and and so I remember having those conversations with Wyndham, saying like, "When you guys came out, like this was." creepy as fuck you know yeah, yeah and i was i was still new like i, I at that stage of the game now what? now what? So i apologize to your wrestling fans i hope they like uh the soothing yeah. uh, medley of dog barks bro you want uh, to know something though here's where like this this is just wwe this, this is typical wwe where like bro they can't get they, they, i don't want to say nothing but they get very few things right because i'll never forget bro when the wyatt family first came out and they were very very impressive you know you know all the things that you said they wrestled like wrestlers and i'm like wait a minute time out where the hell did these guys you know growing up in the backwoods you know like where the hell did they it should have been more barbaric and sure. instinct and they're 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 fighting an alligator and i'm man if but it was like you know just typical typical wwe you know i think guys and girls have to be careful of of they have to play it through if you're going to yeah. be whatever yeah. character you need to do that not just curtain to curtain but damn near 24 7 you know how you stride into a denny's at two in the morning how you whatever you know like I'll, I'll get a lot of people. I don't know if it's, I can't really see it here if I stood up and it just would not look right. But when I'm walking and my hands are kind of like loose, like, like gorilla hands, you know, like yeah. my hands are kind of behind me and I'm just sort of, as I sway into a place, you're like how you walk. And I'm not talking about being all dolled up and clown paint, but just like how you're just 
striding along, not a care in the world, but your hands look like they're ready to latch onto somebody's throat. Like if you ever look at some of the old timers' hands, their, their hands are kind of just they're walking around all curled and ready just to. Yeah. So like to play it through, so you can't just walk to the ring and be an astronaut or a demon or a stripper or a lawyer or a Viking or whatever, and then wrestle like a collegiate guy and then exit like a Viking or a lawyer or a collegiate yeah. guy. You've got to play it through. Yeah. You've got to yeah. be the thing. Yeah. And I think when, like when you said they, they wrestled like collegiate guys, you know, they're in there with very athletic coaches, whether it's Norman Smiley or Billy Kidman or whoever. So they're just learning how to wrestle, you know? Right. Exactly. Yeah. Like Brody Lee already knew how to wrestle. I, I, I'm not sure how much experience uh, Rowan had before he got there, but, but Bray uh, Wyndham, I think pretty much just rolled out of the gridiron and into the wrestling ring. So yeah. Yeah. just he's taking in the Intel that's in front of him and, he would have got more of the, the, the creative stuff on from, you know, from, from, you know, watching things that he liked talking to me or talking to dusty or talking to doc, you know, Dr. Tom and, and so forth. So it, it wouldn't have been, it, he would have been at FCW learning how to wrestle. So then he's going to go out in the ring and then he's going to just start wrestle. doing the stuff he knows, you know, until he tapers into what he is. And, you know, we all learn how to wrestle. So we all know like, we don't know all the moves, but I mean, like Big Show knows how to take an arm drag. I've seen yeah. him do it. I've seen him in the training ring take an arm drag. Yeah, I remember. I remember him letting him letting us uh, slam him. You know, watching Heath Slater slam him like, "Ooh, my turn, my turn." You yeah. know, like never going to do that on a show. He's never going to take an arm drag or give an arm drag on a show unless he's booked against Moby Dick or Godzilla or something. Like, who's, yeah, yeah, who's going to yeah. fucking arm drag that guy? Yeah. You know, but he knows how to do it. Yeah, you know, so. Just because you know how to do something doesn't mean you need to do it or should do it. But I think it just when you're younger and you're you're greener, you just I want to do this suplex. Why? It's neat. Or I want to do this cool missile drop kick. Why? Does it help your cause? Does it help your character? No, I just want to do it. So yeah. you just want to do stuff until you start learning which tools to pick from your toolbox. Yeah, yeah. Like last night at, at the Future Stars of Wrestling here in Vegas, I uh, I. I don't do it all the time, but I do it sometimes is I'll take a student for kind of what I would joke and call a rite of passage. I would take them for a 60 minute Broadway. So like last night in front of about, I don't know, 20 or 30 students, I took this one kid, really good kid, really good guy. Uh, his, his, his name is, is Jimmy Jack. And he's, he wrestles kind of sort of like a, he's kind of a moon dog, hillbilly gym, kind of just a fun loving, uh, you know, he's, he's almost like if, if, Terry Gordy and Hillbilly Jim and the Moondogs were all kind of smashed together. This would be this kid. And so when he first came in and asked me to learn how to wrestle, like I took one look at him, I'm like, I can't sprinkle some sparkles on this guy and turn him into Ric Flair or Kurt Angle or whatever. He's this big old burly, you know, goofy footed, you know, Louisiana kid. So I'm like, well, let's push all those strengths to the front. Like he didn't have a great physique, a big guy, like a big dude didn't have that the physique and so we put him in i when he first had his first wrestling match i said he's like well should i wear should i go get a, a fancy costume i go fuck no i go go to the thrift store don't spend any more than ten dollars yeah go get some old janky jeans and go get some cowboy boots or rubber boots or something go get a cowboy hat we had a like a wife beater and then go step on it in your driveway for an hour and just get it all mucked up and yeah. pour some ketchup and mustard on that wife beater and do all that kind of stuff. And I need you to show up looking like the Hills have eyes. It's like, okay, boss. All right. Right. And so he was always listening, always just learning. And so last night, so 
he'd been working really hard. So I'm like, let's, let's do that for you. And, and we went out there and we, we wrestled like this circus nutcase versus yeah. the hillbilly. And we pulled a 60 minute Broadway match. Wow. That's awesome. And, yeah. and so all the, all the, the, the kids watching there and we did it on Facebook, we did it on our, on our student page on that snake pit thing. And um, so, so wrestlers or wrestling students, you know, across the land can kind of see and, and there's, there's a thousand ways to do a, a 60 minute Broadway, but finding ways to pull those characters in and out yeah. of the story, like they're fresh, they're starting to get chipped away at, you know, yeah. it's almost like a video game where the energy is kind of coming down yeah. and then you got to yeah. uh, yeah. see my, my dog agrees. My dog I, totally. Sin, listen, tell, uh, tell everybody great, great, great insights, bro. I could talk to you for hours and hours and hours and hours, but I gotta, I gotta, uh, I got to go do my show with that louse, the Disco Inferno now. Going from Sin Bodhi to Disco Inferno. Oy vey. But, uh, bro, bro, tell everybody where they could follow you. Tell them about that Facebook page. Give them all that information. How, how, how can they train under you? Give them all that information, Sin. Sure. So I, I train weekly at Future Stars of Wrestling here in Las Vegas. It's on the Google machine. It's on the Facebook. You can find that. Um, my social media is... Uh, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, it's all Sinbodhi, S-I-N-N-B-O-D-H-I. You want to book me for a seminar or an appearance or a wrestling match, or if you want me to make you one of those custom wrestling toys, um, whatever it is that you want, you just want to talk about life, the universe, wrestling and everything, whatever you want to do, uh, shoot me a message there, shoot me a comment and, uh, I'll do my best to, I try, I try to respond to everybody. I really do. And it's weird. It's so weird. Like, I don't know. Most wrestlers that I talk to always seem pretty darn nice to me, but I get, from fans you're one of the only guys that ever just responds to us yeah yeah. ask a question and we'll say hello and i'll say thanks or this or that or the other or whatever the question is and people are more befuddled that i actually just responded yeah yeah. like i put my pants on one spandex leg at a time you're crazy Uh enough to talk to me i'm crazy enough to talk to you exactly exactly well bro listen man thanks for talking to us these uh, last two weeks man some great stories and some great insights. And bro, let's let's do this again sometime real soon, bro. Can I can I tell can I tell you something really quick? Let me let me leave this whole Wyndham thing on a funny note. Go ahead. Tell you a funny story about uh, Wyndham was just part of the. He was just there. He was one of the the guys that had just witnessed this. Um, and again, rest his soul. I, I I hope I hope he is zapping everybody he sees up in the stars with with abigail right now and one of these days i'll join him and maybe we can we can tag in and out and and all that stuff but so the funny story is at fcw down the street from fcw there was a an all-you-can-eat sushi place that that the boys would go to you know after class usually once a week and we're all a bunch of us are all there he's there Wyndham was there uh he's slater just a bunch, a bunch of guys a bunch of guys and there was a, a British guy, just jacked, huge, Steve Lewington. He wrestled as DJ Gabriel. He came out with Alicia Fox, and he was sort of like a British pilot, and he had like a scarf, like the scarf and the leather jacket, and they would come out dancing. And he was the sweetest guy that you liked behind his back. Like in front of him, we would always like, you know, me, Wyndham, Seamus, Drew McIntyre, Heath, you name it, would always bust his balls in front of him. But when Steve wasn't around, we'd be like, what a great guy he is. What a sweet yeah, guy. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. we liked him behind his back. Yeah. And so we all went to this sushi joint and, uh, Lewington gets a big bowl of green tea ice cream. And then he uh, doesn't have the worker prowess of not realizing don't leave the bowl of ice cream at the table with a bunch of 
fucking circus lions while he goes to the, the, the bathroom. Right. So we're all looking at it. Wyndham's looking at it. I don't looking at it. Heath is looking at it. You know, all the, everybody there is looking at the, so we, we put a, we put a scoop of, of wasabi on top of his green tea ice cream. Yeah. And of course, Steve Louie can come sitting back and we're all sitting there like doing a really shitty job of no selling, you know, you know, and sure enough, he takes a big first scoop and puts it in his mouth and he's like, you fucking bastards. And we all, <laughs> we all started laughing. So I'd like to, I'd like to picture in yes. my head, Wyndham, Wyndham chuckling about that or, or a million other things. So again, yeah. he, had, he had a great smile, great laugh, yeah. intoxicating laugh. So wherever he is, I hope he's yes. giggling and I hope he's happy. And we'll never be forgotten because we did this show in honor of him. So, you know, yes, Sid, thank you so much, bro. And I will thank you. talk to you soon, my friend. Tell, tell, tell Disco he's number one. Okay. All right. Take care of the great Sin Bodhi, everybody. All right, guys. Thanks for listening, man. I appreciate it. What a great guy, man, Sin Bodhi. And, bro, yeah, man, we we did that show 1,000% out of, out of respect. Um, but, uh, you know, it was great to hear, you know, Sin and what he had to say. And I thank you guys, man, for tuning in. And, yes, man, now I've got to go interview that Laos uh, disco. I will see you guys over on Time Out. Take care, everybody. Chicken next is all I eat. Oh, oh, oh.